Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Happy at Work podcast. We're so excited to have Samantha Lane from Origami Day here. Welcome, Samantha. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, for sure. Thanks for joining us. Well, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your career journey and how you ended up starting Origami Day? Okay, that's a a fun story. So, Like many people, I um, am a naturally ambitious person. So when I finished college, I was on a hustle mission to climb a ladder. So I worked in the creative field, mostly video production, advertising, PR, um, and higher ed for a while. And then during that experience, I was diagnosed with a chest wall deformity that had my sternum sitting on my heart and made it difficult for me to breathe. So with the information, the doctor said, hey, we should cut you open and fix your chest so you don't have further heart problems. So I committed to being out of commission for four weeks and ended up having a ton of complications. So four weeks post-surgery, I was you know, not able to drive myself. I lost the ability to use my left arm for a period of time, and I battled a severe staph infection for months. So all that is to say that drastically changed my career trajectory. It made me realize that life is short and I was not doing it right. And the quote unquote American dream was not really what I really wanted. And so then that sort of sent me into this existential crisis. I started doing freelance marketing, working at a gym, just kind of the gig economy to try to still eat and live. And then it turns out um, during this time, as I was learning how to manage my time and change my life, people said, hey, can you teach me? Can you sell me these products and these tools that you've created? And fast forward to now, I run a business where I teach people how to manage their time for work-life balance. So can you tell me about your... When, when people hear about you, why are they seeking you out for that? Like, what's their big pain point? And do you have a primary focus, like a, you know, a, a sweet spot that you like to work with? Yes. So most of the people who come to me are are kind of synonymous. They're, they're people that I describe are like past me, pre-surgery, pre-enlightened me. They're overwhelmed. They're overworked. They're stressed out. They're the people who show up chronically late, roll in on two wheels to something, realize they've forgotten the birthday present on the kitchen counter. They're just kind of like these high-functioning train wrecks. Um, and so the thing that they're trying to do is to do it better. And so the core, I think, theme among my customers is overwhelmed. So this is not just individual but also organizations who are are worried about my team is stressed out, everyone's overwhelmed, our meetings, we spend half the meetings, you know, wishing it was Friday. And so those are sort of my biggest populations as I work with individuals on a personal, how do you do better? How do we keep you from burning out? And then companies on how do we all work more efficiently in the team space to keep from losing our talent? And then sort of this weird third thing has emerged where people are like, wait a minute, you almost died and had this crazy life story. Can you come speak at my conference? (laughs) So those are really what I do now. (laughs) That's so interesting. The um, point that you were making about wishing it was Friday, I I think that's such a tell, isn't it? When people are, it's Wednesday and they're saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait. We're almost there. Like that's your life, right? You're, you're just sort of wishing it away. Um, So I think that is a big tell when people are hyper-focused on wishing it was Friday when it's Wednesday, right? (laughs) 
And it's sad because our yeah. time is finite. That was one of the yeah. most difficult things that I learned in my journey was that not only that we have only a limited amount of hours in each day, but we don't actually know how many days we get. And so to wish that time away, to not value that moment, to say, you know, if I just make it till Friday or things will slow down in October, like we're, we don't even know if we get October. We don't know if we get Friday. And so that was a really difficult thing for me was to go from this place where that was my life to a complete 180 where now, I mean, I don't even think I work a traditional Monday through Friday anymore. Yeah. That's, I, I just, I love what you just said. That makes so much sense to me. Um, so I think you know that this podcast really focuses on positive psychology and specifically how positive psychology and work intersect, right? And so I, I know, because I had the great privilege of working with you, um, that you think about positive psychology and what you do. So I'd love for you to just tell explain that to us a little bit about how, kind of what, you, what your focus is and how positive psych- psychology overlaps. So we cannot be happy or productive if we are not balanced. So for so many of us, we're on this path of why am I here? What is my impact? What am I doing? And I think that clarity, that ability to have peaceful productivity, that ability to really execute in our highest level of contribution, we cannot do that if we're in a state of strain or stress or overwhelm. And so I think that um you know, utilizing, you know, I, during my recovery, I spent a lot of time reading about the psychology behind, behind how we work, what motivates us. And then I also learned a lot about tips, time management practices, productivity practices. And I think there's so much more strategy that can go into how we function each day that um, I think if we put a little more intelligence into the way we're managing our time, our most valuable resource, then our outcomes are 10 X without that risk of burnout. Yeah. And it's so much more about what kind of life you want to have, right? Like, I think the, what, what you do that's a little bit different is it's not just time management. It's like, what is my life and how do I spend my time? What what life do I want to have and how do I spend this precious time versus, you know, just thinking about things in very transactional kinds of ways, right? Right. And that's why I tell people, I don't just teach time management so you can get more done. I teach teach time management for work-life balance. I teach time management so you can get more done in a healthier way. So you have a surplus of time that you can make sure you're spending living and sort of like reframing that. And, you know, one of my favorite um, things that I talk with my clients about is this concept that planning is life-giving, that if we can do a little bit more planning, then we can do a lot more life. Yeah, that's awesome. So good. I love that. Uh, I'm curious, what are some of the positive interventions or exercises that you use with your clients for them to achieve the goal? Mm-hmm. So there's, I I believe, I love making things more simple. <laughs> so break it down, make it simple. If you look at the, the time management tools that I sell, they're very simple, very refined, very minimalistic, uh, function first. And so I like to think about that in the work that I do in teaching and coaching as well. And I li- love to teach people that success in life, success in work is, is really a two-part formula. Part one is mindset. Part two is habits. So when you can combine those two, then you're able to be successful. And so that's really one of the biggest things that I help people understand. Mindset is knowing what you want, believing you deserve it, believing you have access to it, believing you your time is valued, that no one else's time is more important than yours. So getting sort of your mind around 
the realization that how you spend each day is how you spend your life and that you are allowed to spend it in a way that is life-giving. Then once we can sort of get behind that, then it's just habits. Then it's, do you plan on Fridays? Do you silence notifications at the appropriate times? Do you uh, say no sometimes? It, d- does that make sense? So it's sort of like this, this really taking what people are just so overwhelmed about and saying, it's just two steps. It's mindset plus habits. Will you talk about the origami part of your of that? Because I think that was one of the things that was so cool is when you explained that intervention to me, and I still use that. I love that. I'm so glad to hear that. I feel like we were together years ago. And so many people are perplexed by that. They're like, why is your business called Origami Day? So the long and short is, well, I was in the midst of my existential crisis. I was working in higher ed. I was sitting at a career fair, just hoping, you know, students would come talk to me about going back to school. And I had a mounting to-do list of things I had to do, but I was trapped at this desk. And so I had a piece of paper and I used it to map out my week and fold it in a way that my whole week was planned, but I only had to look at one day at a time. And that was the cornerstone product. That's what saved my life. That's what my business really was built around. And I also grew up in a Japanese American home and origami is the Japanese word for folding paper. And Japanese culture is very big on respect your ancestors and be thankful for those you have. So there's a part of me that believes that tool was divinely given. And so it made sense for me to to name my business origami days and help people shape their time. It's so cool too. And it's a physical manifestation, right? Of it. And the fact that you have one square for today and you can't overfill it. I mean, you know, you can try really hard to write in small font, right? To put more into it, but it's, it's one square and it makes you prioritize and be more um, reasonable or realistic about what you can accomplish. And so much of the tools that I created and so much of the teaching, uh, I sometimes describe as self-trickery. You know, there are people who come to me and I say, I can't use your tools because I can't fit all of the stuff I have to do in one day. Well, that's your problem. And that's why we, I can't give you the tools if your mind isn't around the fact that you have to change your ways or that what you're currently doing isn't working or that, you know, we, we need these boundaries. It was one of the things like, I love paper planning tools. I'm not anti-tech, but I'm definitely pro-paper because with with technology, we can schedule infinite things in our digital calendar, but we cannot execute infinite things. So it's sort of setting ourselves up for failure versus creating boundaries that force us to have a little bit more buffer time in our days. Yes. I love that. I love that. And then just the writing part of it too, right? Makes you kind of process it more and realize and have more intention about what you're committing to. Well, and we remember more when we write it down and we accomplish more, we cross it off. And so sometimes we just need that endorphin release in our day. And Samantha, do you have any strategies for people who have trouble with the present moment where they have their list and all they want to do is just check and go to the next one? Do you have any strategies for people that have some issues about being present and, and savoring how they're spending their time that day on that task? Any savoring advice? Your question just gave me goosebumps because so much of my journey has been solving my own pain points and trying to go from a workaholic to someone who enjoys my moments. And one of my biggest struggles is exactly that, is how do we really live in this moment when we're really focused on tomorrow? There's so many, especially those of us who are natural high achievers, you're A players, you're high risk for burnout. We're always looking at that next thing. We're very accomplishment driven. And so for me, what I find is, again, the mindset and habits. So trying to, I start my day every day with uh, like meditational devotion time. I try to sort of integrate those things throughout my day. I try to put positive 
dialogue in my head, uh, through podcasts, through books, and really working on that reframing over time, trying to change my mindset from where am I going to where, how am I in this moment? And so I don't know that I have like a magic bullet for that, but I would encourage people lean on that mindset and habits, see why it's important to be in that moment. And then sort of put some habits and tools in place to help you strengthen that because it's hard for us to build a new habit. And if we're naturally inclined to look forward to the next thing, then we might need some help to reframe that and change that habit to be more present in the moment. Um, So that's what I've learned. That's helped me. (laughs) So good. Do you have some stories you could share with us about some of the clients you've worked with and how their lives, how they've changed their lives with your help? Yeah. So one of my favorites is actually a company that um, they are cabinet wholesale distributor. So there's a wide range of the companies that that need help with time management. Um, And their sales team was, they were all high achievers, all independent workers working out of their home offices, getting a ton of stuff done every day. And they started to slip into these these 10 and 12 hour work days. And so we talked about that. And one of their struggles was they said, there's so much stuff that we can't plan for. So I train people also on the Eisenhower urgency matrix, where we have the four quadrants, urgent and important. And so they're like, we spend so much time in quadrant one, everything's urgent and important. We can't plan for it. So we leaned on that mindset plus habits framework. And we said, well, if you know, you're always going to have quadrant one things come up, then why don't you start planning time for quadrant one? So instead of planning an eight hour day of work and then having two plus hours of unexpected things come up, their new strategy was they only plan six hours of work for the day because they know they're going to have more hours come up. And we were able to move their daily workday from an average of 10 hours a day to eight hours a day. And they still were getting stuff done. That's so good. Awesome. And I'm curious if someone's just tuning into the show and they're like, oh, I'm overwhelmed and too busy to make an appointment. Is there is there one thing that you have found is a a nice generic strategy that that gives people a taste of if you just did this one thing, this will give you a taste of what this whole space could do for you. Perhaps like a greatest hit, a favorite song? Actually, I sure do, because this is what changed my life. So I mentioned that folding piece of paper. So I took that folding piece of paper and every single Friday, I would carve out time. We had a standing meeting at Friday at 10 a.m. in my job. So I said, okay, before I do that meeting, I would sort of do a habit stacking formula. It's a whole nother thing we can talk about another time. (laughs) So I would have it stacked. Prior to my 10 o'clock meeting, I will complete my weekly planning sheet. And so I would sit down and I would go ahead and write out my plan for the following week. And that Friday planning changed my life more than anything else, because then I was able to wrap up the week I was currently in. I was able to go into my weekend without stress. And then Monday morning, I could hit the ground running versus having those dreaded Sunday scaries that I dealt with before. So all this is to say, if people are not really sure, okay, where do I begin? This sounds like a lot. I'm super overwhelmed. You can go to my website or honestly just take out any piece of paper. The point is sit down on Friday and look at your plan for the next week and just take some time to be proactive instead of reactive. My recollection is that you also do things on kind of an annual, like you have some things that you do on an annual basis um, that are kind of one step above what you were just talking about for what you were just talking about was kind of for the week, right? But you also do some really thoughtful work around kind of for the year and for your kind of life. Would you explain some of those things that you do? Sure. So I have this belief that, um, you know, our time is a measuring unit. 
And so we can segment it and parse it out and utilize it in that way. And so what I look at doing is each day is a measuring unit. And so allocating the appropriate amount of tasks for that day, likewise that week, then a month, then a quarter, then a year. And so in that same way, I like to think about if if we sit here right now on August and we look for next August, what do we want our life to look like? What do we want our jobs to look like, our careers? Then we can sort of paint that picture and then we can take that picture and we can break it down into bite-sized steps. So I encourage people to think about a staircase and that vision is at the top of the staircase. Then we're just identifying what are those little tasks that make up the, the steps of the staircase. And then we just sort of take one each day or each week so that over the course of the year, we're taking bite-sized pieces towards that end result. And so I to execute that, I tend to do quarterly planning, annual planning, both with myself, my business, my my husband, my poor husband. I remember that. That's so yeah. cool. We do what? we do a marriage retreat every year. We plan out all of our goals. And what's great is every every six months when we check in, we get to see what we've accomplished. And it's like, okay, we're doing life well. We're making it. <laughs> so much intention with that. And that's, I mean, that's so impressive. I, that's why it stood out to me. I remember you having kind of this bigger kind of macro view and having tons of like thought and intention around your marriage and I just, it blows my mind. I felt like my husband and I um, started just walking during COVID together. And like, that was, <laughs> that was a huge like commitment. And, but something we've been doing now for a couple of years is every evening we go, we walk the dog together and sometimes we're mad at each other. And sometimes we're laughing and sometimes we don't talk. Right. But it's, it's like this commitment. I would love this idea of like having even bigger, <laughs> bigger things and just committing to a walk that felt like a you know a big commitment well and likewise you wouldn't jump a staircase so let's think about what the top of your staircase really looks like and let's break it down into bite-sized pieces so you might not be ready for with your life partner to plan your entire year ahead and break that down but maybe you can say one month from now where do we want to be and what do we want that to look that i love that i think it's really just sort of i believe in like Let's be real with the situation. Like, forget what we hope reality is. Let's accept what current reality is and let's see what we can do with that. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love this concept of teaching people how to change because humans just don't like that. <laughs> it's just really uncomfortable. But I'm curious, when when how do you handle when someone comes to you, let's say that they're over 40 years old and, and they've been doing the workaholic thing for 20 some years already and they realize that that's not really the winning formula and they they come to you. How do you handle some of their objections, such as what's going to happen to my career direct trajectory if people start to see me as not the go-getter that I had the reputation of, and now I'm leaving work Friday at 5 p.m. to go have some fun? Anything you say to people who are worried that there might be some bad side effects to creating balance when they have a personal reputation of, just working and always being there whenever 24 seven. Yeah. And I never want people to change in a way that they don't want to change. So what works for me might not work for you, might not work for Laura, might not work for the next person. So I, that's why I, I often, before I give recommendations and tell people what to do, I like to ask a lot of questions and understand what is it you want? And I'm just here to help you get to that point. Now, obviously my jam is time management and balance and reaching those goals, but, but what works for me doesn't work for you is sort of part of that answer. And then I think beyond that too, I go back to that mindset plus habits. If they don't want something bad enough, it doesn't matter what habits I teach them, they will not get there. And I, I hate to say this, and it sounds somewhat terrible, but 
if I can usually tell in introductory discussions, if someone is a fixed mindset Mm. or a victim mindset, or if they're a growth mindset and a learning mindset. And I don't try to work with people who are fixed or victim mindset because until they change their mindset, it doesn't matter what tips I give them. I can't change them. And they, cause they are the ones who change them. Yeah, that's so good. Feel mean about that, but <laughs> no, it's just that's so realistic and so smart. Um, curious about how often you run into, and I'm maybe I'm just kind of uh, projecting my own stuff, but that kind of hustle mentality of like I'm only as good as the last thing I've done, and I've got to keep hustling and. It's all about kind of my work is my self-worth stuff. I mean, I'm assuming that that is at the core of a lot of the people you work with. I just am curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, it is. And I think that, well, first of all, I've read a lot of books over the years that I tend to recommend to different yes. people. I know. Uh, I think I, I was going to say, I know I've recommended some to you over the years. Yes. Uh, so, you know, if I don't have the words, I like to share with people things that helped me in that same struggle because I, I came from that. I have a natural inclination to work my life away. I just realized that's not what I'm supposed to do. So I go back into here are some things that helped me, but also if someone is talking to me, then they're choosing, or they at least have an inkling that they don't want that life. So then we dig into like, why don't you want that life? What do you want to be different? What do you care so much about? So for example, someone would say, I want to spend more time with my granddaughter. Cool. Then that is what we're going to focus on. So when you start to feel that pull bringing you back to workaholism, to overworking, to not saying no, then you need to remember your granddaughter because that's the that's the beacon that's going to pull you back to where you want to be. You know, I tell people all the time, work-life balance is not something you find and then you just like have. It's it's kind of this practice that takes ongoing work like yoga. You practice it. And so if you think about a top that you would spin that would slowly veer off course and get sort of wobbly, every once in a while you have to just grab that top again, bring it back to center and give it a good spin. And so I try to build a business around and resources to my clients around how do you recalibrate and, and recenter when you're when you're getting back to bad habits of hustle culture of you know imbalance and and it's why do you care to not live that life? Love it. Uh, as we close out, are there any words of advice uh, that you'd like to leave us with, or anything that we missed? Well, I could talk about time management for and balance for the rest of my life. It's a deep well, but the long and short is, you know, one of the things that impacted me the most, and I kind of already referenced this was a quote by Annie Dillard that says, how you spend each day is in fact how you are spending your life. And that just floored me. Our days are our lives. And so I really want to remind people to savor them and value them and protect your time like it's a newborn baby because you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. And so I think that somewhere along the way, we started trading time for money. We forgot that. So so I guess the first piece would be like value your time. And then with that plan every Friday, that those two things are, will be probably the, the easiest to start seeing changes. And then when you master those two things, then, you know, call me or go to my website. I've got a free tip library. We can, we can move you along the, the, the process, but like, those are the starting points. Value your time, plan every Friday. I, I, I love this because uh, we're recording now Friday afternoon at 1.30 <laughs> PM Eastern standard time. And 
in 30 minutes, I'm taking 10 friends sailing and I'm, I'm not going to feel like I'm goofing off and cutting out early. I'm having work-life balance. You are. Yes. I'm so happy for that. That's what life's for. We're, we're, we're here for more than just work. Yes. Oh. Samantha, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. We really appreciate your time. Yes, your time, right? (laughs) Thank you so much. That was awesome, Samantha. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.